says it's on. There we go. Now you can hear me. Either that or I got to speak up, right? Technical complications. Give me a second here. For some reason, this doesn't want to stick to my belt. Okay. I got all dressed up. I was, uh, what was it last week? I was in, uh, we were having lunch with uh, my wife and I with Mike McDonald. And uh, he had complimented the suit and dress and stuff and a few other people. And uh, I had just chuckingly, but I, I admit, I told him, I said, this is the only way I can outclass you. You know, everything about, so some people are just a little bit more and above and beyond, and I just want to let him know. And so for me, it's, it's a reminder that I'm a child of God. Not that I have to wear a suit every day, but sometimes it's just refreshing to dress to the mindset. And my mindset is, is that God is a king of kings. He's better than the president of the United States. He's better than anybody I know, and I just want to show him my best. I want to pray that that will be our heart today. Let's uh, let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 through 22. Thanks living. Thanks living. Oops. Are you guys already there? Shout amen if you're there. Okay, I didn't hear enough of you. Shout amen if you're there. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-22. And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Just one more time. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. And abstain from every form of evil. Rejoice always. Amen. Father, I just want to pray that this morning, that your your heart and thought, Lord, may be conveyed. Jesus, I'm urging this morning, we don't start off thinking that we've got it together. I start off realizing that the only thing that's together is the moment that we share with you. The only thing that fits the puzzle of life and the struggles of where am I supposed to be and what is the will of God is when centrally I recognize and know that you're the center of it. So much so that Jesus had said so confidently to Pilate as he had flaunted his 
authority and said, do you not know that I could have you put to death? And Jesus said, you could do nothing to me except my Father had granted you the power. Lord, that's the security of every believer, every faithful Christian who walks hand in hand and heart to heart with you. This morning, Lord, as we cover the grounds of not just a tradition of thanksgiving and in the celebration of that, but Lord, what does it mean in the kingdom of God to live every day in celebration and thought and a mind towards you? And all we could do is say today, Father, would you just grant to us the blessing of looking beyond the veil of this temporal body, this temporal mind, and help us see, Lord, the, the fullness of all that you've done and provided for us beyond anything that we could even begin to grasp. Lord, would you just help us touch today? Out of your mercy, would you help us touch? Go back in time and look through the record book of how faithful you've been for us. To not miss a moment of the depth and the uniqueness of every one of those moments. And to help us truly worship you in the details of your goodness to our lives. And as we do, Lord, refresh us in your spirit and help us walk with you today and throughout our week and the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to capture a few things with me in these verses. I'm going to try and help move us through it fairly quickly, but I also want you to just catch the heartbeat of it. And in the first part, he says, we urge you, brethren, to recognize. We urge you to recognize. You know, it's interesting, like, I think this, ver- this verse, had I not been paying a little bit more attention, and if it weren't for the Spirit of God, go ahead, Will. What's... Yes. Yes, sorry that I didn't put the number one. That I didn't do well, but the, the spelling is right, just in case anybody was wondering. So 1 Thessalonians, yes. Yes. Maybe that's why I didn't get as many amens when I said, okay. So, <laughs> so he says to recognize, and that word alone would have escaped my attention, but I felt like God highlighted, recognize. Those who labor among you. I just want to say, I think that it's very important in, My time alone with the Lord these last few weeks, as I shared a little bit with you uh, last week, has been God giving me an eye to see and recognize more. I think sometimes we drift on as Christians and we don't actually have time well spent with the Lord. And we talk about quality, not quantity. But I realize the more quality, the more quantity we're going to have. And so recognizing has been a very special part of time spent alone with the Lord. And he says, never take for granted. I I say this, never take for granted the mercy God has shown you. Now, he he specifies those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish them and esteem them, esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Do you know somebody in your life that, that fits that category? That they live in a way and they work for my soul. Their life is spent to make sure that I'm living and my soul is in well-being with God on any level possible. They've, they put themselves out for it. And so 
Just remember to never take for granted the mercy God has shown you through certain people. And let's get an autograph. I was thinking about this. We've got football players. We've got baseball players. We've got the attention of actors. Anybody can have a sort of fame these days. And you know, today, unthought of, even in, in my early part of a generation, YouTube didn't exist. And yet we've got people making multi-million dollars on YouTube. There's one guy dedicated and devoted to giving his money away. And he's given hundreds and thousands of dollars away in some of the most unique and obscure ways. And it's gaining him publicity overnight. And people are thankful. And he has become an emblem to the world because of what he's doing. But yet, those who labor for Christ, who are behind the scenes, who are living for God, get hardly any attention. And yet, they're the ones who secure the eternity. Definitely nobody in that capacity on YouTube is helping me walk closer to what God has for me. As if anything, it may be actually pulling me away from it. How many of us spend so much of our time absorbed Let's all just take a time to think and consider, absorb in our social medias, our televisions, and other things like that. And here we are missing an opportunity to call a brother or a sister who's been behind the scenes. And maybe you haven't connected with them, but they've been praying for you. So here's a thought. Maybe you should get an autograph of someone who has led us out of spiritual darkness. Think about that person. Prayed us out of a devil's hell and walked us through the war, walked us through, walked through a warfare of intercession to save us from sin. Could you please give me an autograph? You're famous to me. You know, we need to reverse our mentality and our way of thinking. That's all there is to it. And I think as God just gets down into our lives, we're going to start having a harmony with the people of God. We're going to want to gather more with the people of God. We have no space for worldly things when I have an opportunity to fellowship with you. Just invite me to your house. We'll make it there. We want to be there and hear you share about what God has been showing you. Refresh my soul in what God has refreshed you in and keep me strong in the Lord against the, the, the waves and the powers of temptation and just keep doing that. And I need to take time to acknowledge and recognize you. See, so many people don't get recognition because some of them are the people who are praying and they don't tell you that they're praying and they don't let you know that they are praying. And every now and then you get that secret little thing that they've been praying. And they, they didn't tell you, somebody else told you. They've been praying for you. Remember to find them. Remember to recognize them. And part of that is so important. One of the greatest marks of humility is not trying to get others to recognize us but to recognize others. We can't figure out who we are. We're a society right now. Our world is so confused on their gender and who they are. There's even, I saw it the other day. I can't remember where I saw it, but they have a he or a she or other. Like we don't even know what category to put you in anymore. And you know, that's not the problem as much. It is a problem. It's a huge problem. But the church looks on it as that is so chaotic and weird and out of place. I know I'm a man. I know I'm a woman. But do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know your identity in Jesus Christ? 
Do you know what Jesus said to you? You're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. What does that mean? What does it mean to be in the riches of Christ Jesus? What does it mean when Jesus said, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy? What does it mean when God says, I have made you more than conquerors? What does that mean? And the identity is lost. And I think part of that is, is because it's not the way we do things anymore to give time to God. You know, there's something he in this, these verses capsulized, and I'm going to come back to it, but it's called pray without ceasing. You know, I had a, a man who was entering ministry, and I was kind of taken back from it, but it really kind of hit me. And he made this statement. And he knew I valued prayer. And he, made, he said to me, he said, how do you get people to value prayer? To see the importance of it? And I said, one of the troubles is, is that right now we're living in a time that people don't see it as this is my life. See, I pray when I have time. I pray when it's available. I pray when, you know, I'm not busy. But I don't pray as this is the course of, if God, you leave me alone one second, I'm already out of whack. I don't know how to chart the course of my life and do this well without messing it up from the get-go, one second apart from the Holy Spirit animating and revealing the will of God is going to leave me on an island alone. I don't know how to do that. That's not the Christian mentality in many circles today. And I don't know what yours is. But I would say this is paramount. Because what we're doing is, is we're now learning how to adopt methods and forms to make up the difference for a lack of prayer. A lack of actual intercession and communion with God. Our Bible's kind of set to the side while we've got millions of Bible teachers in front of us. I even talked to a guy the other day who was encouraging me about how his life has been being changed. And I thought I would dig into that just a little bit deeper, not because I want to be critical, because I want to find out where it's coming from. And he had shared how he was thankful for my prayers and about other people. And yet, I thought, I wonder, I said, so, have you been spending time in the, in the Bible? And he said, no, not really. I've been listening to podcasts and different things. And so, I said, what, how much? And he said, but some of them have part to do with the Bible. And I realized these were God's words meant for the Holy Spirit to take them and make them so alive to you that nothing else could direct you. And that's what I feel like is being pursued here is this idea that we can't capture what God wants because we don't spend enough time for Him to show it to us. One of the traits of those who want more from God is to ardently recognize and praise Him. I need to, I need to say that for myself, if not for you, for me. To ardently recognize and praise Him for what He's already given us. What you've already done. You know, he, I think it's said in, in the words, this idea is to esteem them very highly in love. So we're taking and acknowledging, you know, what somebody else has done. And we're acknowledging that God was being behind this. So we're not just recognizing one person, we're recognizing God. 
And this is where I, I have to say, this is where tears come to my eyes. Because as I've been taking time to do my own sermons, to be the guy and, and say, Lord, I confess to you, not just sin, I confess to you things on my level. You hear what I'm saying? I'm confessing my level to you, Lord. Because I want you to take me to another one. And I've been living at this level. And the more I do that, and this is just a personal thing, but I think it's for you too. The more I take time to say, Lord, this is my level. Take me to yours. And then I get a new glimpse of what that means. Something that's personal and real for James. But it is a divine thing for me. Then I become an ardent worshiper of just, I'm capturing. Lord, there's a beauty to this. How many of us, you know, when we were on vacation, we got to see the ocean and you stepped there. How many of us are too busy minded that we don't take time to glamorize and love the moment that we're in? God, look at what you did. Just take a, 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 just take a drive past memory lane. Think about that moment, that beautiful moment where you first recognized Jesus that brought life to your soul and eliminated the guilt of sin and what that felt like for you. And just call that one more time into being and say, Lord, would you just remind me and refresh me of your goodness through this? Because I see that this is a very important part of walking with you. See, I loved the thought of George Mueller as he'd recorded every one of his prayers and the answer to those prayers and thought about for myself how many things have I forgotten about what God has done? Because I didn't write it down. But had I written it down, today would remind me of how much I love Him on a newer and a greater scale. And is that not how God gets into our lives? Isn't that how He finds the weak and broken or the, the Christian who doesn't know how to do it any other way and they say, Lord, I just was reminded of you today. I had to think about you today and I recognized you today and I took time and precious time to do that in this moment. So as we're preparing for Thanksgiving and time to be with our families and people we love and perhaps maybe some of us away from our families, but longing to be, encapsulate every precious moment God has given you. Don't lose an opportunity. You know what I love about the gifts of God? I think I love the most is that they can always... It's like, it's like something you love to eat. And after you, but in our case, it's after we've eaten, it is gone. But in God's case, it's always there again. Every moment you can continue to rejoice, enjoy what God has given. Now, here's another thing that he says just after that. He says, Now, brethren, now, I, now we exhort you, brethren. And I caught that right there. Notice he didn't say, ministers or elders. He didn't say we exhort you elders, we exhort you ministers, we exhort you brethren. And then I started looking at the list that he put behind that. Now we exhort you brethren, warn those who are unruly. Does that sound like the job of the normal Christian? That's what we would attribute to the minister. Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted. Sounds like the pastoral ministry to me. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both to yourselves and for 
all. I think a word that comes to mind for me is I'm worried about the word neglect. I'm worried about it because I think that while we're busy doing other things, I'm neglecting the most important things. And so I think when we look at this word brethren and we see the list that he puts behind it that's feeling so fitted to ministers and ministries, I think that what we have to capture is simply this. That the call of, to be a Christian is itself a great call. Which in light of, should give, in light of these words should give us a cause possibly to re-examine ourselves. Am I doing what Jesus called me to do? Am I living in the way that Jesus called me to live? Something I don't want to do in my life. Let me share a story with you. My wife, she was in this week. It was a part of... I went from one of Monday being like on cloud nine. Unbelievable. And then some events took place and I started feeling weighed down and heavy, really heavy. And one of those things, my wife uh, woke up in the middle of the night with a gallbladder attack. And we went into the hospital. And this isn't the first time, but this is one of those times. But what I, w what I remember is this, that I have been praying for her for a while. And I want God to, to completely restore her gallbladder. She wants it. We want it together. But something that James starts to see as I get a little bit closer to the Holy Spirit is that I see, I want this for many different reasons. And one of the things is, is that this kind of thing brings a different kind of pressure. At any moment, a gallstone could drop down into a tube and could leave her paralyzed, could threaten her life. Any of those things could happen. And while we're waiting for God to do a miracle, I'm also under the assumption that any moment something drastic could. And so as I see her in pain, and as I was there to try and comfort, and as I stood by her bedside to pray one more time, I still can't help but get over the fact that there's a side to me that when I step before the Lord, it's not just weakness, but there's things in me that stand in the way of God. And so I'm not just praying for a miracle. I'm praying for something for my own sake. And I don't know how to wager through that. And I'm learning the more time I spend with the Lord, the more He finds a way to help me see. You have a lot of things in your life that you do for you. And it's really more about that absolute total surrender of surrendering to God, I don't know. But I feel the ingredient of that as being such an important part of my life. Because what happens is this. I pray more out of compassion than I do listening to God. I have that thing inside of me that says, it's a need, I'm going to pray for it. And that's not wrong. But it doesn't stop just because of that. There's a human level that we bring so often when we come to pray. And that human level is hardly ever addressed by God. And I started thinking about for me, Lord, I have a regimented routine that I've held on to for a long time, and that's to get up roughly at a certain time in the morning and to pray every day. And it's like I've got this figured out. 
But there's a new wall that I've found in my life, and it's kind of really gotten to be known more in ministry, and that's something called worry. Worry has gotten into the way of the way of Jesus. And it's amazing. All I can say is this. For me, when I think about worry, God hasn't given me the feeling that He's... Like, this is a pity thing. This is a, I know your weakness. This is actually, every time you pray, gets in the way of actually trusting me. You spend so much time worrying about what should be different. What needs to be better? How to do it better? Why isn't working what you're doing? That all of that was what you were supposed to be given to me. But when you pray, you kind of confess the struggle that goes with it, but you don't empty that at my throne room. You don't let me have time enough with you to release you of that and let you go from that bondage. And so you carry it to the next time. And this is what I've learned. I have learned that I have, have been able to hold on to a form. I shared with my wife, and I'm just going to be raw and real for you, because I think one of our greatest complications is that we are not honest with God, and we suffer spiritually because of it. And I said, I never realized how legalistic I would become until I got into ministry. See, I didn't even see that a week ago. But now I do. And I wanted less to come to church. I wanted less to pray. I wanted less to be faithful to God because I had to. See, I didn't have to come to church to give a message or share anything before. You understand that one little element has separated me from a part of the Lord's passion and heart. And I think what God has been trying to show me through it is the real love and passion that I want you to have for ministry is when that element is no longer there. And as long as you have that, you folks are going to feel that. You're going to sense something is missing in that sermon. Something is kind of broken in his soul and I don't know what it is. And maybe others will know it. And just, I'm not realizing it in the time. The reason I'm saying that to you is because unless God can not only get into our time of prayer, but he can get into the elements that affect our praying, then we will never pray effectually. We will never be praying in unison, in mindset, in union with the kingdom of God. And we will forever be spinning our wheels as professing Christians, finding this wall that keeps us from the will of God. Most of what I just shared with you was not in these notes. I think it's the heart of the Lord today. I think it's God's heart because I suggest that many of you go through what I just said. Like I didn't, I could have never put it in words, but you said what I feel. I wonder why I keep praying and there's just this struggle that I keep going through every time. And, and one of the ways that I recognize that struggle for myself is when I don't want to pray. 
When I don't want to spend time with God. When I feel like the pressures of anxiety or things going on in the world are so much greater than my heart is satisfied with the pleasure of God's faithfulness. See, these words struck me throughout the week, and it was when Jesus had made the statement to Pilate. And he said, you could do nothing to me except my Father had granted you the power. And then as I thought about that, I was like, but wait a second. Jesus wasn't praying that to get away from going to the cross. See, we pray that because we expect God's going to deliver us from the trouble that we're about to face. But Jesus knew the will of the Father. There's no way I'm going, I'm going to get away from the cross. That's not what I'm saying here. That you can't touch me. You have no power. That the Father is going to show you how powerless you really are. But you're going to, that's all going to be hidden to you in the moment. You're not going to realize as you're officiating the form of crucifixion that I'm going to go through. You're not going to realize in that moment that you really are powerless. You're not doing this because of your strength and your power. That my Father has granted you that. And I'm so surrendered to that that I'm ready to die for humanity. I'm ready to give up my life and my blood as a sacrifice for the sins of the world around me. And there is nothing else I'm going to live for. And that's the confidence that we need as Christians. That you can't touch me. There isn't anything that's going to happen around me. I'm so centered in the will of God that I'm not that I haphazardly make decisions, but that I can't make a decision without the sense of the Lord's confirmation. I'm that dependent. I need Him that much. And there is a great gulf between so many of us from that experience to what we share. On some level we pray, but in so many of it is so that we can get what we're looking for rather than to grasp the will of God and abandon ourselves completely to it. You know, I was praying with my daughter the other day and I looked at her as she sat on the couch and she wanted to sleep on the couch. You know, it's interesting, you know, the place that's not my bed is where I want to sleep for the night. Kids have always been like that. And either that or they want to sleep in your bed, right? And you're like, not while you're sick. And I looked at her and I thought to her, she said she wanted me to pray for her because she was sick. And I was inclined to do so. But as I sat next to her in just a father's heart to try and minister what I feel like God, even to little children, is trying to say, said, honey, do you want God to heal you if that means that when you get healed, you're going to have to go to your bed? Or are you honest about that as I want to be, I want God to heal me, regardless if that means going to my bed? And I thought about that, and I think that's a lot of what God has to uncover in our heart. Are you praying for this so you don't have to face that? Or you don't have to do this this thing? Are you willing to surrender to me completely? I'm saying this because I feel like a congregation of people that I absolutely love, and I think that we're all in different levels of prayer, I want to give you the best opt for finding the will of God and walking to where God wants you to be. And to me, these are the things God addresses. It's not just what you want. It's the motive. It's the call to it. It's whether I'm the center of this whole thing or not. And as she said to me, Dad, I, 
I, I would. I, I would go to my own bed. I want that miracle that much. I want to be healed. I prayed for her. I still haven't seen her. Here's where I feel like God introduces one other thing. Will you continue to lean on me when you don't have the answer yet? Right? So I'm going to come back and pray for her, and I'm going to believe again. And I'm going to pray while I'm praying, and this is the centerpiece of this. Holy Spirit, what am I not seeing? What am I missing? I'm I'm praying the right words, and I think I'm praying your right heart, but what am I missing here? That's always a central key to praying in the will of God. Trying to figure out what else I want to preach here because I'm not going to go through this whole thing. (laughs) I want to just come back to this thought. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. The meat is in the middle. So he says rejoice and give thanks. They're kind of the same thing, right? But we put the meat in the middle and that is pray without ceasing. There are too many circumstances in life that will challenge us when it comes to rejoice always and in everything give thanks. Why is it that when these words, why are they actually so hard to swallow? I think they're hard to swallow is because somewhere in our soul we sense that we might be out of the will of God and I can't rejoice when I'm out of the will of God. I, I don't know where the Holy Spirit is taking me in the moment and I'm, I'm lost. Or I do recognize I've been doing my own thing And I can't rejoice that God is making up the difference in that sense. This is because if much of what we do is not covered with prayer. I want to to read a quote to you from... E.M. Bounds. And he says this. This is because... Oh, I'm sorry. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better... Not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men. I want to bring a few things into mind here. As God is searching our hearts, as He's cleaning the dross off of our lives, bringing us to a place of purity so that we can pray according to the will of God. Remember something, that God has never forsaken a son or a daughter and left them to fend for themselves. If I'm, not do, if I'm not getting what I need from God, it's because I'm pulling away, but not because God has left me to do that. Fend for myself. I had a sister-in-law that shared a testimony that really spoke to me. She shared the devastation of her life and her departure from her belief and her faith in Christ. But she said something. And I've heard Christians over and over again and it confronted it in me. And she said the Lord had showed her that He wasn't teaching her a lesson through all the struggles and hardships she went through. He wasn't teaching a lesson. She made the statement. He was showing me himself. He was showing and trying to reveal himself to her. And oh, if I could have 
walked you through her life. If I could take you through the pain, her marriage, the loss of her daughter, seven-year-old, fell out of a tree. If I could walk you through the relationship with her husband and the struggle and the final end in divorce, you would have seen the same thing that so many have. And why did they lose? No, we wouldn't question why. We would understand why. But when she makes that statement, it means something different than when I make that statement. Because it's a follow-up of there's that transition. And she said, it wasn't him teaching me a lesson, but that it was him showing himself to me. Jesus. Do that for all of us right now. Let's get over that this hardship or this thing going on in my life really is Jesus just trying to show me how I'm doing it wrong. You know, one of the things I realized is how pointless is that if I'm already vulnerable and already kind of susceptible to temptation that Jesus is teaching me a lesson in the middle of it? Really, when all as it is, I just need a cure for my blindness. You're already here, Lord. You're already here. I want to say one other thing because I think when we're going through things like this, this is, our, this is me too. Just because you can't find an explanation for what you don't understand or what you're going through, doesn't mean that God is absent or uninvolved. Can I say I think it's really more, God is really, really involved. But as I said last week, the flesh kind of hides and veils who Jesus is in the moment. Just remember that giving thanks is not a formula. Oh, if I give thanks that God will finally through the thanksgiving and do that, that I'll get what I want out of this. It's an expression of intimate worship. Stop turning. Stop turning. What are the expressions of the Christian life into some kind of formula to get something out of it? Just worship Him in the moment and let Him put the pieces of life together. Quit trying to figure out what He needs to do for you and just let Him do what He wants to do for you. So that's what I think thanks is all about, Lord. As I give you thanks, it's just a worship. As you guys share testimony, I want to enlarge your heart for it because maybe I just need to preach a little less so that you can do more sharing, right? But the reality is that giving thanks is such an important part. I think of God's continued blessing over our lives. Imagine here. Imagine me taking what I, what I get but not returning the thanks for it when it's at no cost to me. No cost. Prayer should be as essential as breathing. We need to be to the place we can say, I can't lend one thought to my own will without it cultivating some form of evil. So he said, hold fast to what is good and abstain from evil. Do you think, do you realize, do you realize that whenever my mind is not tuned to the will of God, evil is already taking place? Evil is already at work. It's already lurking about, doing its thing. 
So the only way that I can cling and hold fast to what is good is to always be in a dependent state with God and live in such a way. All I can say is the more you pray, the more you see how urgent it is to pray and how impossible it is to do anything without it. You will come to insist that you need God to invest Himself in every minute and every detail of your life. Outside of prayer, nothing is truly or ultimately good. I think that's true. And the reason why I'm humbled here today for myself is because it's the last few weeks that I'm coming to more and more realize that's not been the attitude of my heart. That's not been me. But yet you might say, but everything that you've talked about and how you emphasize prayer and everything else, it seems to be that that really is important to you. I think internally it is. But the reality is, it's not really been an ultimate emphasis of my life. And I'm ready to take some new steps to let God have a deeper place in my heart. I'm ready to do that. I don't know what it looks like, but I am. And I pray that it is the same for all of us today. I pray that this is challenged and ministered to you, spoken to some particular places at heart where you need the Lord. Let's, uh, let's take some time to let the Lord in, whether it's at this moment. See, all I can say is that your best resolve in life is just get before God, right? Your best resolve is get before God and then let him do the rest of the work. Let's take a few moments to do that right now. Let's take some time to get before the Lord, do his work. And remember, behind your life is somebody else's life. Behind your walk with God is somebody else who needs what you're getting so that they can have what God wants for them. You're going to be an inspiration to them. So if I could have Tina and Will come up. They're going to bless us with song. And while we are, I want to leave an opportunity for you to come to the altar or pray where you're at. But please, just invite the Lord into this, this moment.